This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. This podcast is in the Sandy Boy Podcast Network. I'd love to have you check out the other two shows in our network, the Up and Running Podcast. My friend Lauren Flores and Abby Stanley host that show. They bring you all of the news in elite and professional distance running every single Tuesday. And every other Friday, Lauren brings a catching up episode with someone who's running at the elite or professional level. Lauren is also doing a really cool series leading up to the Olympic trials. She's got five women and five men who are running in the race and will be releasing 10 episodes leading up to the Olympic trials with these people. So you're going to want to make sure you subscribe to that show. That's the Up and Running podcast. And make sure you're checking out the Illuminate podcast. This is a podcast that I co-host with some of my friends. And it's a podcast where we are sharing stories of people who are illuminating in the world around them. They're doing good things in the world. They're bringing powerful messages to the microphone on that podcast. And just this week, I put on an episode that I hosted with Dominique Smith. He is an educator and he talks about restorative practices and how relationships are the most important piece of anything that's happening in the school. And I found so many things that related to parenthood as well when I talked to him. So that's episode 21 on the Illuminate podcast. Definitely check it out. Really excited about that show. There's going to be some more shows coming up in the Sandy Boy Network as well. But for now, check out the Up and Running podcast and the Illuminate podcast. All right. Today you're listening to episode 221 and I'm talking with Allison Wade. Now, if you are a fan of the sport of running and you're not subscribed to her newsletter, Fast Women, go get on that. Allison has been bringing this newsletter for a little over a year now and she gives the rundown of basically everything that's going on in the world of women's professional and elite running. And she's linking to all kinds of articles and stories and podcasts and just giving you basically the rundown of every single thing you might need to know about women's running. So if you're excited about the sport, that's a platform you need to be checking out. Allison also has a Patreon page like me. I'm a supporter of her Patreon page. And if you're receiving her newsletter and you're enjoying it, I encourage you to consider supporting on Patreon because I can only imagine how much work she's putting into this newsletter every single week, providing us with really great content. Allison is the mother of two and she's been writing on and off for several years. She also was a coach. She worked for the New York Roadrunners for a while. She's kind of been in a lot of different places in this sport, and she's very knowledgeable, very well-educated, and does her research. I'm going to put the link to the Fast Women newsletter, the the opt-in to subscribe in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. I encourage you all to do that. And yeah, this was super fun to get to know Allison a little bit more, and I kind of ask her some of her favorite moments in 2019 in women's running, so... We had a lot of fun with this one. It's very casual, and I hope you all enjoy getting to know Allison, the woman behind Fast Women, as much as I did. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Allison Wade. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Allison Wade. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I'm so pumped to have you on. I've been a subscriber of Fast Women, the newsletter you put out, probably from pretty much the start, I feel like. And and I think I was like your first Patreon supporter, maybe your second. I was really early on there. I think you were. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And I like you, you were, this was the first running podcast that I listened to. So oh, uh, you do such a great job highlighting the running podcasts and I know you I know you put those stories out because 
an interesting thing happening in, in the running world is talked about on a specific show. Um, but I can guarantee that I'm not the only podcaster that appreciates when you put those in your newsletter because it's just one really organic way for listeners to kind of find what we're doing in this space. Yeah. And I think that it is hard to keep track of all of them. So I, you know, sometimes I'm doing what I th- wish someone else would do for me. Um, and that's like, you're like, oh, you'll really want to listen to this episode or, or whatever. Um, and everyone's going to have different opinions on what's good and what is interesting. But I, um, I do think that a lot of the most exciting news is coming out of podcasts these days, whether like everyone involved realizes it or not. Isn't that wild? Everything has just changed so much. I mean, even from the time that I got in into this online space, I actually I just tweeted uh, an hour ago about how I feel like all the social media OGs are on Twitter because I feel like the people, the social media that people that have adapted a little bit later or the younger generation, like they just don't even bother with it. Yeah. Um, and just things have changed so much. I mean, when I got on Twitter in 2011 or 10 or whenever it was like, Podcasts weren't a thing. I mean, there were podcasts, but like that wasn't an outlet that we went to to hear stories. And and I mean, if you did, you were way ahead of the times, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I like I thought about starting a running podcast like way back when because my sister had a podcast like maybe 2009, 2010. And I was just like, I, I don't know. I don't think I had the right skills for it, but um, but it's interesting that no one else, like, I'm sure they existed, but they weren't doing the same kinds of things that they are today. And it really has like pushed everything forward a lot faster in terms of how much information we're getting. And I think some of it is just how accessible podcasts are when they weren't then, like you had to like do more steps to listen to them. For sure. So. And create them. I'm sure too. It's like, what was yeah. your sister's podcast about? Um, it was just like two of her friends and her <laughs> just chatting. I enjoyed it, but that's crazy. But, uh, 2009. Yeah. Wow. Before they all had kids. So yeah, (laughs) when they had more time. Yeah. You know, well, and also unless you're like tech savvy creating a podcast back in the day, like for me, even in 2016, like that was my barrier. I was like frozen with fear because I was like, how do I even do this? And there, there weren't as many out. And so I felt like I didn't have anybody to reach out to and be like, Hey, tell me what steps I need to take to make this happen, which Looking back, I should have just hired someone. But you know, when you're in the beginning stages of starting anything, you're like, I don't want to spend a dime. Yep, that's how I feel right now. And it's also like, I don't even know who to ask sometimes, like mm-hmm. who who's going to do this at an affordable rate and in the way that I want and all that. I know when I hire stuff out freelance and stuff like that, I'm always like, I feel like there are people doing this in a smarter way than I am. Like, I feel like yeah. there are people paying way less for these graphic images and, and cause I'm just terrible at that stuff. So I, I will like hire that out over spending three hours. That is going to be work that just isn't nearly as good, you know? Yeah. But you might also be smarter than the rest of us too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's, Let's learn a little bit about the woman behind Fast Women, the newsletter. <laughs> I, if, if those listening aren't already subscribed, where do we go to subscribe, Allison? Um, the easiest place is probably fast-women.org slash subscribe. And you just enter your info there. It's free and pretty simple. And you get a weekly newsletter every Monday morning. Um, with sort of the highlights of women's competitive distance running with a heavy U.S. focus um, every once a week. Okay. So, yeah, so many questions about fast women. But first, let's just rewind. I know you grew up doing gymnastics and kind of switched to running and then rank in college. Um, Tell us a little bit about your career path that led you to starting this newsletter when did you officially start? Um, the newsletter I started a year ago, but um, the path started a long time before that. Um, in high school, I got injured and um, couldn't run for a season, and I had taken a photography class um, as well. And so I started taking photos of my teammates with like a film camera. And um, so I always had that interest. And then again, in college, I got injured and had taken photos of my teammates for some of that time, like to create a slideshow for my coach. And, um, so I was trying, always trying to find ways to stay involved with teams when I was injured. Um, 
and then like I always loved love love every sport I was involved in like I wanted to know everything about it and all the people who did it and like to, to like a abnormal um, extent compared to most people um, so I was like already really into running but um, when I graduated from college I was sort of like I, I don't know, like when people come to your college and they recruit for jobs, like there, no one's coming and saying, oh, do you want a job in the running industry? And <laughs> I knew I wanted to do something like I loved women's sports, I, I, but I had no idea what to do. And I had applied for an internship at the Women's Sports Foundation. And um, I got that, did that for, uh, I think it was nine months. And during that time, like one of the articles that we um, had in our magazine was about girls on the run. So my friend and I were like, that's cool. We got trained as girls on the run instructors. Um, and we started a thing in New York City. Um, and during that time, we, we reached out to New York Roadrunners and we said, um, are you interested in putting on, like doing girls on the run with us? And Mary Wittenberg, who became the president and CEO, um, we went for a run with her and, and this other woman. And we talked about, we tried to like, you know, sell the idea of them doing girls on the run. Um, and they said, oh, we're actually starting our own thing, which, you know, they just celebrated the 20 year anniversary of it. Yeah. Um, but um, so that didn't work out. But like that, we made that connection through that. And I don't even remember how I ended up working at New York Roadrunners. Um, but I did Girls on the Run for a little while. It was kind of like, you know what, this is really hard <laughs> trying to be an entrepreneur in New York City at, you know, 20, whatever. Yeah. And so I ended up taking a job at New York Roadrunners because it just felt like a oh, few like <laughs> benefits and stable income. And um, and so while I, I was doing like photography stuff, so back to like where it all started, photography stuff for them and some writing stuff. And on the side, I started a website called fastwomen.com because I was kind of frustrated with like the existing websites out there. This was very early internet. And a lot of them were focusing more on the men because it was like these, you know, college guys who start a website and write about what they're into. And so I thought like, I can do that too. <laughs> like, but what I'm into and um, so I started fastwomen.com on my, on my, in my spare time. And then Mary Wittenberg was sort of like, you know, why aren't you doing that for us? And so she um, like arranged for New York owners to buy the website from me. And that became my job. And we also started a men's website because because it was New York owners. They couldn't just have a women's focus. Equality. Site. <laughs> exactly. So so I ran both websites for a bunch of years and um, you know, really like that was a really cool opportunity to like travel around the country and go to whatever meets I wanted and take, I, I mostly like pretended I was a photographer. Um, I just got experience by doing it a lot. And I enjoyed like when you, when you're a photographer, you get to like sit on the track and get yeah. a really great seat and see everything that's happening. So like for five or six years, I, um, did that and loved it. And it was a really, really cool, um, opportunity early on in my career. So, yeah. yeah, so I've always had that in like I've always been into women's running and this is sort of just coming back to that. Yeah, you've been Allison, you've been around. <laughs> I, I <laughs> you've have. been around for a long time. <laughs> I know. Um you make me sound old. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you I mean, you were part of the New York Roadrunners. Gosh, how many employees did they have when you were working for them? I have no idea, but I it was certainly a different era. Like I I mean, we were in a totally different building, like there were um, you know, like there like all these things, like, you know, like if you stayed too late at work that they might still have rats, but they had rats in the building. There were people <laughs> living, there was like somebody living in the basement, someone living on the top floor. Like it was just like you know, this old school thing that like now you probably can't do that. But, um, it was just like, it was very much like a running club then. And we actually dropped then it used to be New York Roadrunners club and they dropped the word club while I was there. And they've sort of professionalized quite a bit, but they were still going through that transition when I was there. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, they're quite the well-oiled machine at this point. Yeah, yeah. So you were running Fast Women. What was the men's site called? Mensracing.com. Okay. And it was pretty much the exact same thing, but just men. And so you were running that through the New York Roadrunners. Like as, when you were writing up articles and doing things over there, though, like, was it known that this was the New York Roadrunners or was this kind of like, how did that look? Yeah, I think it just said like on the, at the top, it just said a New York Roadrunners site. And so people okay. knew. And I, I think that part of it was like, they didn't have the greatest reputation with like U.S. athletes at that point because they had do, been doing a lot of international recruiting to their races. And they sort of wanted to say, like, this was a point, an opportunity to say, like, we both want, we want you to care about these athletes and know their stories, but then also like, we want the athletes to know that we care about them and want them to come run our races. And 
I would say like during that time, not because of the websites, but because of like this, you know, large effort on many people's parts. Like now they have a great reputation with the athletes, the U S athletes. And like, they do come to their races and they have you know great reputation for hospitality and all that. Oh, for sure. So the name fast women, you know, whenever I name anything, a child, <laughs> a business, it's like you want that to have staying power and you want it to be like timeless. And so it sounds like that was really a timeless name because you went back to it. Do you ever did you ever get any like lashback or anything about it being called fast women? No. And like, and I think it's, it's called fast women now. Cause I'm like so bad at naming things that I didn't have any other better ideas in like the, <laughs> the many years since then. Um, but also cause I think like then I could, I did find some of like the old audience through using the same name. Um, oh, sure. but no, I like, I, I've always had my defense ready. Like, you know, like we're spinning this idea of mm-hmm. like, this is what you think a fast woman is, but here's what I think, you know, like this is what it really is about. Um, and then also like there used to be this fear that like people would be intimidated by the name. And mm-hmm. I think it's kind of funny now because like people assume that like, I don't know, in our Facebook group, I think people sometimes assume we're all fast and like, nope, I'm not, I'm not fast anymore. <laughs> but um, no, I, I haven't gotten too much uh, input on the name. I just joined your Facebook group right before this interview. Did you see it? I did. I approved you. I didn't know I if you were the one had let you through. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you thought that I might be safe in the group. Um, yes. I'm not going to stir up any trouble. who knows yeah so it's really evolved though I mean when you you know first put out your first newsletter you know you you took my webinar didn't you yeah I did I love that thank you by the way (laughs) yeah and it like it it was on podcasting and I don't have any intention of ever starting a podcast but I thought maybe I could learn something about marketing and like sponsorship well I hope you I hope you did I learned things that I haven't actually acted on them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that's just one of those things where I think when you're running your own business and working for yourself, you're like, what do I have to offer that I can teach people? And, you know, I don't know that I'll do another one of those webinars, but um, I was getting all kinds of requests. Like, can you meet for coffee? Can you come talk to, can you hop on the phone for an hour to talk about podcasting? And I was just like, why don't I just put all this information together and offer it? as a one-time like thing that people can, if, if they really want to sit down and, and learn, they can do the webinar. Um, so yeah, I, that's when I first heard of you and I, you hadn't, had you started the new, you had just started it, hadn't you? I don't even remember the timing, but yeah, it was around, around the beginning, like when either I was thinking about it or I had already started it. So tell us when you started the newsletter then, what were your goals? Well, I, I don't know. It was hard because I had like, so I, after doing fast women and men's racing, I left New York Roadrunners and then I still had a desire to cover the sport. So I had my own, I started another website that was called eliterunning.com and it was kind of the same thing, all one, one website <laughs> minus all the funding. So that was hard. Um, but then I took like a 10 year break pretty much from covering the sport. And, you know, like I was a fan and I paid attention, um, but I hadn't really done anything. And Um, I just, right now I have a life where I can't get a full-time job. Like it just doesn't work out with our schedules. So I I was sort of thinking like, what can I do to fill in this space? And, um, I thought about it for a really long time. And I, like, I was like, I, I would like to reenter running if I can, but like, it's hard because like social media has happened since then. Um, like I had not worked at all on building a following. So I was like, I was always like, why would anyone want to follow me on Twitter? Like <laughs> I don't put anything on Twitter. Um, and then I was like, oh, I wish I had like tried to get people to follow me on Twitter or like even just put anything on Twitter in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was hard to like go from like, I know I know things and like I have this experience, but like no one remembers this or like I don't have any audience. So it was hard to go like, what do I think about what I wanted to do? And I ultimately decided newsletter because I thought, oh, that seems like the least amount of work. Um, but then oh boy. I, I'm really good at making anything into a lot of work. So, um, but I, my goal really was to like enter the space and see if I can possibly make some level of career out of it. But then also like, you know, in, in terms of helping people, I wanted to like sort of boil it all down. Like it's, we've gotten gone from a place where like there isn't much coverage like that. It used to be that there wasn't much coverage. So I was sort of collecting everything that there was. Now it's like, there's almost too much stuff that it's hard to find where it all is. And especially like, 
with articles, social media, different websites. Um, it's all spread out everywhere. So my goal was to like sort of, you know, make it easier for people to be running fans. Yeah. I mean, and when you say you thought it was the least amount of work, I think you proved yourself wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I could probably make anything hard, but yeah. Because you put a lot into it. I mean, you there's so much information in these newsletters. Um, yeah, I like I I I think the easiest way to do it is like by keeping up during the week, but then when it comes time to actually write up the newsletter, I'm like, oh, like there this is going to be it it does end up taking a while to type it all up even though like I kind of have an idea of everything that should go in there. Like that part is easy collecting it all, but then the actual like writing it all out ends up being a lot more than I thought each week. Like I always think, oh, this will be a short one. And then it's not. Do you use like your notes app on your phone? Like as things pop up, you're like, oh, I got to make sure I add that in. I mostly um, like either tweet it or bookmark it in Twitter or okay. like bookmark it somewhere else. But yeah, like I have all these places at the end of the week that I have to check and like podcasts. I'm always like, I can't let it end before it like before I remember that I need to write about this or else it like disappears from my queue. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So like it's, podcasts are hard because like right when I listen to them, I'm like, okay, here are the things I want to say. But then if I leave it till the end of the week, I'm like, oh shoot, what did they talk about in that? So I really do. Sometimes I will stop in the middle of a run and like type up a few notes on things I want to mention about or like take a screenshot of like where in the conversation I thought something was good yeah I feel the same way about my show notes like when I'm editing I'm like if I don't write this out right this second like there's no way I'm gonna remember it and then half the time I don't put you know the book someone mentioned or whatever in the show notes I'm trying to get better about that yeah how do you decide what podcast to listen to are you just looking are you just spot checking guests like oh this looks like it would be timely and and because you can't listen to everything yeah, I mean, I do listen to a lot of podcasts, but like, as there have become more over, like, even over the course of the last year, like, I can't, I can't listen to every episode of everyone, but I do have like favorites that I listen to almost every episode. And then other ones, sometimes it is the guests, like, sometimes I'm like, okay, it's a man, check. I can just, yeah, like, there you go. <laughs> get rid of that one. Skip I mean, that. sometimes, sometimes men say things that are relevant to what I was running, but, um, yeah, like, I, if it's someone like who is sort of into, in my, like, you know, Olympic marathon trials qualifier or faster than like chances are I'm listening to it if I know about it. And then sometimes like I, I listen to it on like high speed if I, oh, yeah. if I, if I have too many, like one week I had like in three days, I had like 20 that I needed to oh, listen to. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I listen, I do the one and a half speed usually when I'm listening to another podcast to prep for an episode. I'm like, burp, 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 or sometimes even two speed. Did I catch everything? I, I just want to make sure I know your history. I actually think it makes people sound smarter because they're like spewing mm-hmm. all this stuff out really fast. I'm like, whoa, like how did you think of that so fast? So, and then you yeah. go back to one speed and you're like, why are you talking like that? Yeah, they sound kind of drunk. Yeah. 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 Are you drunk? <laughs> did you have too many cocktails before this podcast? Um, speaking of the Olympic trials, let's talk about that. Are you going? I am not actually going and I really? feel bad. Really? <laughs> I'm I'm a bad fan, but yeah, like I and I've gone to most of them. I did skip 2016, and so then it feels like less of a big deal to skip 2020. But I like I will absolutely be watching. And I I like having been to a whole bunch of things. Like sometimes I think you actually know more if you're watching on TV than oh, if you're agree. actually there. Um, so I will be you know by my computer like looking at all the splits and like doing you know, TV and updates and stuff like that. But if I were there, I would go out in the course and take photos and then I would have no idea what was happening. So Uh 100% for sure. Like, yeah, you're not going to have your phone out tweeting and doing things because you're going to be soaking up the experience. I know I'm going, but I have not booked my plane ticket yet because I have commitment phobia or fear. I have a, is that right? Yeah. Phobia. Um, but I'm going and I, I have FOMO because I decided I'm not going to do any kind of like live event or anything. I just feel like there's going to be so much other things going on and I'm bringing my oldest son with me. Um, yeah. And I have FOMO that I'm not doing anything, you know? Like, yeah, but at the same time, like, you know, you can go and still have the conversations you want to have and like, you, you know, more maybe enjoy it a little bit more rather than stressing about yeah. it. And, like having and a there's work probably going to be so much going on that like other people like might feel overwhelmed by the amount of things they want to do as well. So that's kind of what I was decided to, I was like, I don't know that I want to be one more thing to add to the noise. I think I kind of just want to enjoy the noise myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been, the first one I went to was 2000 
And like, it's just such a wonderful celebration. I mean, like, it's a, it makes me a little sad that they put the men's and women's trials together now because it used to be that the women would be separate. And I really, really love that, like all the attention on one race and yeah. celebration. But it will still be fun to get to see both races on one day. So. so do they, I have asked this a million times and I still don't know the answer. Do they start at the same time? They start like, I don't know, like 10 minutes apart or something. And the women so, start first? So that we see the women cross first with that. Does that make sense or no? I, I don't remember. Okay. Um, yeah, but it, I like, I can already feel that I'm going to be frustrated by the television coverage <laughs> because oh, I, for unless, sure. unless they're planning on showing the entire race in a split screen or something. For so. sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, do you ever in your newsletter get nervous about people calling you out or like fact checking you? Because I get anxious about that on this podcast, like saying something and then people being like, she doesn't know anything about running or, you know, whatever. It's different when it's your voice than when it's written down and sent out to a bunch of people, though. So what are your feelings on that? Yeah, I mean, I like I haven't had too much of that yet. Like occasionally I have like a I just write something wrong, like um, and then I can just correct it the next week. But it is like, unlike a website, like a website, you can just fix it. Yeah, and a yeah. newsletter, it's like gone and you can't ever fix it. But, um, but at the same time, like I can also double check things a little easier than you can. So, um, so I think that's the hard thing about talking, you know, like I have to, I, I have the opportunity to look it up before I say it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if I've made a lot of bad mistakes, not nobody's told me yet, but <laughs> occasionally I do get things wrong. Like I spelled someone's name wrong once and someone told me. I always wonder if I should correct people when they spell my name wrong. Because I'm like, does it really matter? Because a lot yeah. of my name's with an E-Y. Yeah. And a lot of people say A-Y. And I'm like, but do I really need to be that person? Like, I don't know. I Yeah. Does the no, person I, care? I, I totally get it as a Allison with one L. So Do you do it? Do you correct? Or do you just let I go? I don't know. No, no, usually. I figure, like, they can see my name. <laughs> they can decide whether or not they think it's right. Well, so, and when I yeah. see Lindsay with an A, to me, it looks really wrong. But yeah. to anybody else that sees Lindsay Hine with an A, they they just see Lindsay Hine. Yeah, I do think the Lindsays are hard to they're hard to remember. Yeah, all for of sure. them. <laughs> well, you know, if you were born in the 1980s, the chances that your name is Lindsay or Megan or Stephanie or or Sarah are very or Allison are very yeah. high. Yeah. So let's talk about the trials, though. Um, do you are you predicting any favorites in the newsletter? What, what are I had a weird dream about the trials last night. Like I can't stand it when people tell dreams, so I'll I'll keep everybody like I won't bore you guys too much, but there was a tornado involved and a girl named Greta who nobody had even heard of her one. There was all kinds of weird things happening. So I don't know why I had that dream, but uh, tell me what what are your feelings, predictions, and are you going to talk about it in the newsletter? I like I really hate predicting things because I like that's what I love about running. I like, I also don't like, you know, usually do like year end lists or awards or whatever, because I'm like, we have a sport that like decides these things for us. Like sure. we don't have to, like, it's not gymnastics where we're like, was this better or was that? Like mm -hmm. we, if they, as long as they go head to head, we know the answer to that. So like, I love that. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen at the, at the trials. And like, um, I think some of it is going to be decided in advance and we won't even know it. Like somebody's going to be injured and sure. struggling through something and whether we know it or not, like that's going to, have a big impact but then I think there's like there's also people in there who like they're not listed as the, one of the favorites but like being totally overlooked like like I haven't heard many people talk about like Sally Kipiego or someone like that who could totally do something but who knows you know and like there's just so many I I can't even like <laughs> begin to guess I I think other people probably would be like oh it's obviously going to be one of these five people and I don't feel that way at all I feel like with the, you know, tougher course, like who knows what happens with the weather. Um, you know, like we've had, we've had big upsets at trials before. And I think the more people you have who are like, like it's, I think it was almost easier, like when you were Dina Castor, because you like, knew when she Dina was, Castor was going to be, yeah, you kind of knew she was going to make the team, even if she like went the big upset, maybe that she didn't win the race or whatever, but like, um, but she was still on the team. And, um, I don't think we have anyone as dominant anymore. Yeah, unless Jordan Hase is not injured. I mean, don't you think if she's not injured, she's a easy shoe in? Maybe, maybe. But like, we don't know that she's not injured. She just 
kind of pulled out of the Houston hash. So like, yeah, I don't know. Like, what does that mean? I have no idea. And also she's had a tough year. So totally I mean, both, both in terms of injury, but also in terms of like coaching situations. So who knows what that's done. So, but yeah, like obviously Jordan is a very talented marathoner and like when she's at her best, but she also is not a very experienced marathoner. So true. Who knows? I emailed Jordan, Jordan, if you're listening, um, I emailed her and was like, Hey, let's do an interview. I will come to you. I will fly out to you and we'll <laughs> sit down. Cause I just really want to talk to her and have her share her story in a really like kind and positive way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she deserves that. And I'm sure that she's feeling like so much pressure because of all the Alberto stuff. And she's just like a kind human being who is working really hard at her craft. And I, I don't know. I just want to like give her a chance to talk and, and say her, her piece about everything. And, um, you know, I think that people pass judgment on a lot of things and, um, I think that sometimes we forget about the heart. Yeah. Well, I hope she takes you up on it because I'd love to listen to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you ever get nervous in your newsletter? I mean, the way you write it, you have like some opinion pieces in it that I love. I think it brings sass to the inner. I think it brings sass to the newsletter and makes it enjoyable to read. Um, do you ever get nervous about the things you say that are opinions? Like for instance, what I just said about Jordan, someone might totally judge that because they might be like, well, she was running for Alberto, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think when I first started, I was, I was nervous about that. So I was like, okay, I will just present this as news. Like then no one can refute it or be like, who are you or whatever. Um, but then like I started, like, I don't know where I first, uh, dove in with like, here's my, but I, there were a couple of things I was like, oh, apparently I do have a strong opinion about mm -hmm. this as I'm writing about it. And then like a few other things I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, like some things I just try to present the facts, other things when I, when it's something I feel really strongly about and like, I don't really feel like anyone can refute it. Like if I say, this is my experience and I think this is, you know, right or wrong, then like no one can really refute it as long as it's my experience or, um, so I've, I've sort of like gone into that a little bit more and like I've had some feedback that people appreciate that so I'm like okay maybe I'm I sort of testing the waters more and more but at the same time I don't ever want to turn it into like somebody not wanting to read the newsletter because they're like tired of my opinions you know so like I try to leave it enough that like you know we don't go too far down like the Ugh, I don't care what Allison thinks I just want to know what the news is. I totally relate to that because I know I interject with my thoughts and feelings and sometimes family stuff and just my own personal life into the podcast. And I'm like, yeah. how much is too much and how much is not enough? Because it, it is a casual conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think women worry about that stuff more too. Sure. Like I think men just like do whatever and like then they don't think about whether anyone cares or whatever. And like, but also women probably worry more because we probably get scrutinized more for it so sure sure well I love what you mentioned on Matt Chittam's podcast when you were on his podcast about Mario Fraley giving you the advice that you know like something that you do might not be for everybody like you don't have to please everybody yeah yeah no like and sometimes I'm like I don't want to if if this is the best way to get running news like if you want like a rundown I don't want to like scare people away because they don't like how I'm delivering it. But at the same time, I'm also like, if you don't like it, you can just unsubscribe. Like it's not, you know, not the end of the world. I'm just trying to like serve the people who think that this is a useful product. And if not, then that's fine too. When he told you that, were you in a place where you wondered if you were too niched down? And and let's, if, if people don't know Mario, he has a, the newsletter, The Morning Shakeout. And I would say it's probably the most similar newsletter out there, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're like our. I think we're he and I are trying to do different things, but at the same time, like there's no one else, like not a lot of other people that I'm aware of that are trying to do anything even in this ballpark. So, yeah, I would say, um, even though we do have different goals, um, I, I think it was more like if I'm going to do women's running, like how how narrow can I make that? Like, I think there's like in the past when I've seen people like do women's running initiatives, I've always thought like okay, that's not for me. Like, I think a lot of people's ideas of women's running are like, you know, like, here's your makeup tips for like, when you go out <laughs> for a run, or like, here's what you should wear when you go out running, or like, I don't know. I, and that's like, that's fine. But that's not what I'm interested in women's running. So um, like, I think it is good to like, just think of it as like, 
it doesn't have to like that doesn't have to be for everyone and neither does what I'm doing. But yeah. Yeah, I think people get scared to niche down when they start something because they don't want to limit their audience. I'm having the those feelings with my other podcast, the Illuminate podcast, because it's like we are trying to figure out what exactly our niche is. And it's a very broad podcast right now with like social entrepreneurs and, you know, motivating speakers and things like that. It's pretty broad. And I'm like, if we want it to grow, we need some sort of niche, just like my podcast. I'm like, my podcast grew because people came to it because they wanted to hear about running. Yeah. Um, and and they weren't getting that somewhere else. Like, but that's yeah. What, at the time, like you were one of the early, early people doing that. Yeah. You know, I look back and I think that when I launched my podcast, it was um, running on OM, which she quit for a long time, but I think she's back at it. Do you, yep, do you know? Is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I need to check it out because yeah, mean, it's great. She must have been on like a three year hiatus. Yep. Exactly. Um, and then, uh, the marathon training Academy had a podcast and then Tina was hosting, uh, runners connect. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, was so it. even if you listen, if you listen to all of them, you still like have probably more time for listening in your week because if you're doing it on the run or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that was it. So, so yeah. And I remember being scared even when I launched the podcast, cause I was like, well, I don't want, you know, I want people to come like, you don't have to be into running to come listen. But the more I got into it, the more I realized, no, this is a running podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, and I mean, and there are a lot of runners out there. So like, I mean, yeah. clearly you've, you've found them and broke a good audience. There, you know what though? There's so many more. It's, it's crazy how many runners there are. If you look at how many people actually listen to running podcasts, like Mm -hmm. there's so many people not listening to podcasts. And I'm like, what do you not listen? You just not listen to running podcasts. Like, where are you? I, I recently had someone message me on Instagram and I need to write her back still, but she lives in um, Hong Kong and she had asked me if I would, if I ever considered, um, having more international guests on my show because she was like, I really want to encourage people where I live to listen to your show. But since it's mainly American focused and I thought I would love to do that. There's just a language barrier, you know, a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But there are a lot of English speakers throughout the world. So I need to do that. That should be your next thing. Like you could go around to every country and Hey everyone, I want to take a quick break real quick and encourage anybody who is on the fence or thinking about it to come down and run the Donna Marathon or Half Marathon with me. They also have a 10K. They have all kinds of race distance options. It is the weekend of February 7th through the 9th in Jacksonville, Florida. The course is beautiful. It is flat and fast and I'm personally running the half and I'm going to be doing a meetup on that Saturday, February 8th in Jacksonville. So I will post details on that soon. My Instagram is lindsayhine626. You definitely find information on when that meetup is over there. If you are considering doing this race, you can use the code lindsay15 to get 15% off your registration. And just so everybody knows, the Donna Marathon supports the Donna Foundation, which helps those who are living with breast cancer, walking through the disease. They, they have a care line that people can call in and they can get help with financial assistance. And it also helps fund groundbreaking research. So they are doing amazing things. If you listen to the episode last week with Amanda Napolitano, she is the executive director for the Donna Foundation. And I am just so thankful of the work they are doing with the Donna Foundation. This race is just a celebration. It is a place where you can run fast. It's a place where you can run for fun. It's a place where you can celebrate And I don't know, I've just, it's hard to compare any other race to this race. So if you're thinking about it, now's the time, book your tickets, register for the race and let's meet up again. You can use the code Lindsay 15, go to breastcancermarathon.com and use the code Lindsay 15 for 15% off your registration. All right. If you are enjoying this podcast, Consider heading over to iTunes or wherever you're listening and leave a rating and review. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find the show. So I appreciate each and every one of you who have already done that. And when you subscribe to the show, that helps as well. And when you subscribe, you don't miss random bonus episodes like the extra three episodes that I put out last week. If you are enjoying this show and you think you might enjoy additional episodes for me, I do release two 
bonus episodes a month over on Patreon for Patreon supporters. Uh, This month, you're getting two episodes with my husband, Glenn, where we talk a lot about dry January, at least in the first one. Uh, We're 15 days in to dry January. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. Um, But I have lots of thoughts and feelings on that. And we talk about that in the most recent episode. Um, And then actually this Sunday, I'm doing a recording with Emma Benner, who is working as my intern right now. She's been doing a lot of social media posting over on the Sandy Boy Instagram, and she sends out my newsletter every week. Um, Emma's going to field questions and do a Q&A with me. So it's kind of an ask me anything type episode that we're going to record on Sunday. I posted about it in the Facebook group. So if you head over to the Facebook group, I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine Facebook group. You can post your questions over there or shoot us a DM on the Sandy Boy Instagram handle. It's Sandy Boy Productions. Uh, If you send a DM over there, Emma will grab that and ask me the question. It's patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. And that episode will release next week, probably on Monday, because we're recording it on Sunday. All right, friends. I think that's all. I think that's all I got right now. Enjoy the rest of my conversation with Allison Wade. All right. So we talked about this beforehand. Do you have thoughts on some of your favorite running moments of 2019? Okay, I tried to think about this, and <laughs> I didn't have a lot of lead time. So I, um, I, I like just kind of mentally went through, and I was like, I'm going to forget something really major. This is like you talk about <laughs> fact checking. Like, I'm going to totally sure. forget something major, and it's not that I don't know it didn't happen. I just forgot. Okay, so number one, I would say definitely the advocacy work from all the top runners. So I'm going to lump everybody into one, but like Alicia Montano, Kara Goucher, Allison Felix. Mary Kane, all of them telling their stories to the New York Times. I think like those were bigger than anyone like on the on the you know, like on the field moment this year because um they're gonna like the work that they're doing is gonna impact all future generations of runners. So I'm just like, you know, blown away by them telling their stories and and just so happy that we finally got to a point where like it's not like no one's ever told stories like these before, but now people are finally listening and they care and we're ready to like hear it and make change. So that was the, I'd say the biggest moment of 2019 for me. Um, um, so I think number two has to be Bridget Koske running, um, two fourteen Oh four in Chicago. That is, it was just a huge performance. And, um, regardless of what you think about the shoes she was wearing, like no one has ever run close to that fast. And she did it like, you know, she just went out and went for it at a pace that no one thought she could sustain. So it was a huge moment. Um, I don't think she's gotten the attention that maybe she deserves for it because of the shoes. Um, but, but it was a huge moment. Yeah. Were you, uh, watching, I was in Chicago. Were you watching it unfold and were you like, wait, what's going on here? I was like tweeting, like, I don't know. I I forget what I said. I don't think I said there's no way she's going to keep this up, but like, wow, if she keeps this up, she's going to run a 210. Um, So I was highly skeptical in the beginning, but then like you started watching her splits and you're like, she's not really dying. And you know, it was like, after a while I was like, everyone was still like, Oh, this is going to be awful for her. But like pretty early on, I was like, she's holding it. (laughs) Like she's, she's doing it. Yeah. So was she wearing vapor plot vapor flies or another prototype my sense is that she was wearing like the ones that are commercially available okay like the the newest version and that kipchoge wore something even beyond that the day before and doing his sub two hour um but i yeah like i don't have the absolute um (laughs) fact on that but that's the sense that i got that there was some controversy because i think people misinterpreted what she said after the race and thought she was wearing the same ones that he did oh okay yeah well because i you know when i i remember when i interviewed noah drati i was like what shoes exactly were you wearing and he was like i can't tell you exactly what shoes i'm wearing but well every running company every brand has like some sort of like special shoe apparently except Stephanie Bruce said that the shoe she was wearing is a shoe that's on the market for anybody to wear. So in general, I just love to hear your thoughts on that whole situation. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really tricky right now because I'm not opposed to like progress and technology in the sport, but I think when it's uneven like that and some people have access to it and some don't because, you know, some are stuck wearing whatever their sponsor has. And then like you're almost in a better position if you're unsponsored because then you can wear whatever you want. 
Um, but I think it's a little disappointing to think that like, if when they line up the trials that it's going to be, you know, like sort of an uneven starting line. Um, and then we don't even know where people rank. Like, I wish we could find out, like, like we don't even know what shoes people will be wearing. So maybe someone does come up with something, some company does come up with something better, but we don't even know what's on their feet or, um, how it compares. Um, and I also think as long as the shoe costs as much as it does, even if it is technically available to a lot of people in practicality, it's not, um, available to everybody because we're turning what should be a relatively inexpensive sport into an expensive one. And like, you don't have to wear vapor flies, but at the same time, if you're going after that Boston qualifier, going after that trials time, and like, you know, that everyone else is going to be doing it. Like it's, it's harder to resist that. So I, I don't like what it's done in terms of like, now we're talking about the shoes and not the performances as much. Um, and I wish that the IAAF would take a, you know, more firm stance on that. They're apparently going to do something at the end of this month. Um, but I wish they would sort of get their act together and, um, stand up to Nike a little bit more. Like if any other company had been doing this, I think this wouldn't have gotten as far as it has, but, um, but Nike sort of owns a lot of the sport. Yeah. I don't think that I would ever wear the vapor fly out of principle. Really? Yeah. I like, it's easy for me to say that now, like I would say the same, but at the same time, I'm like also not going after my fastest times. Um, but yeah, like I, I have had a sort of personal Nike boycott for a long time now before all this began. So, um, I, I agree, but at the same time, like, I don't really want to judge people who, no, and I'm not judging people who do, but I just personally, like, I'm like, I don't want to do that. I think I just want to wear my normal shoes and, my granny orthotics and if I, <laughs> Me too. you know, like if yeah. I can run a sub three in those, I'm going to be just fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I think like every time you buy something in the running industry, you're, you're voting in a way, like you're saying, this is what I like want to support and what I want more of. And, and, um, you know, like not everyone is necessarily up on that, like what's going on in the sport. So they don't know what they're, you oh, know, sure. what they're supporting. But at the same time, like, I think if you know, it's hard to, like, especially this year, sort of be like, oh, yeah, I want to give my money to Nike. I know. I I know. I have friends that aren't into running and they're like, oh, my favorite shoes are these Nikes and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but do you know that Nike's like not doing great things right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, um, I've actually never ran in Nike. So they've always been too narrow for my feet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm like the least, uh, like shoes are one thing I'm not really that into. So like people always like, what shoe did I wear? I'm like, I don't know. Go to the running store and ask them. Yeah. Um, I just like, I, I think I wear like really slow shoes and that's okay. Yeah. I just wear whatever the neutral, like Saucony or New Balance or, you know, whatever, just whatever the neutral plain shoe is. That's what I'm running in. Yeah. Yeah. It is sure. crazy though. How, like when you looked at the sea of runners at CIM, it is crazy how many people yeah. were like, that's all it was, was the pink and green shoes. Yeah. And you have people saying like, oh, no, that's not really the fastest shoe. That's just marketing. But like, if it is just marketing, they did a really good job of it because they seem to have convinced all those people that they <laughs> that they needed those shoes to do that. Yeah. And like, I do think I do think I mean, it's also like the lab, like they we have data from the lab saying this is actually producing this much of a difference. And I like I've I listened to a podcast recently where someone said I crossed the line and felt like I was cheating. Mm. And, um, and I like, I appreciated that. Cause I feel like, um, I think when, once you've worn them, it's hard to be objective about like the whole topic, because I think it's hard to say like, Oh no, that wasn't me. Um, like you don't, you want to take credit for your performance. You don't want to credit your shoes for your performance, but, um, yeah. So it's like, it's hard cause we don't know what it means right now. And we don't know, like what it means versus someone not in those shoes. And I think it's just, it's distracting and it's not like what our sport really needs. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So number two, Bridget with the yeah. 214. And I do feel like that was overlooked. I'm like, that was a big deal. And I don't feel like it was celebrated the way. Yeah. And maybe not even the way Kipchoge's was. Cause like people know his name. I don't, I feel like a lot of people can't even say the name Bridget Koske and knew who, know who that is. I didn't know who she was before the day we were looking her up yeah. when we were you know, on the sidelines, like, who is this woman? And is she really running that fast? Is her predicted time really 213 right now? Yeah. 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 Um, so beyond that, I like, it gets harder. I they have too many different contenders here, but like in terms of like great race, I would say, um, Claire Gallagher versus Brittany, Peters, Brittany Peterson at Western States. Like mm. that was just such a good race. Like, I'm not sure it was the best 
ultra running performance of the year or whatever. Like there were other good like records and performances, but that was just like (laughs) for it to come down to essentially like a head to head duel with a few miles left to go. Like that was so exciting. And I, I loved following that race. And it's just like, it's so interesting. Like you can follow that one day and the next day you're watching like a 1500 and it's like over in a few minutes. But like, I love those races that like also play out over a long period of time. And that was just such a good one. Yeah. Um, Brittany Peterson was like, that's my worst nightmare. <laughs> like to, yeah, exactly. to have to come like, to head to head with someone. In, in race, haven't you had that before where like you're like at the end of the race and you're like, oh gosh, we're going to have to sprint against each yeah. other. And like, you know, like sometimes I used to just be like, okay, no, you go. <laughs> After a hundred miles. <laughs> yeah. I just can't imagine. So yeah. that was really cool. Um, number four, this one is like definitely my US bias. I would say Shelby Houlihan um, mm. running 354 99 for 1500. And yes, she only got fourth place in the race. So like I could have named any of the people in front of her. But like from the US perspective, that was such a good performance. Like she deserved a medal. Like she didn't get one. Um, but she ran an American record. And like that was, I think, the best run of the world championships from the at least the U.S. distance runners. Like, if we're looking at other events, then we have to, like, you know, Delilah Mohammed set two world records. But, like, from the distance races, like, that was such a good performance. Um, And, like, it was just a bummer that she didn't get a medal. Um, I mean, like, I'm overlooking Sifan Hassan, who Mm -hmm, did mm -hmm. the 1500 10K double at Worlds. But I just, I personally have a hard time getting excited about that one when, like, at the same World Championships, her coach is being banned. And, like, we don't know enough, like, we have no proof of anything, but there's enough like doubt there that that's harder for me to get excited about. That sucks, um, man. It just sucks that that's yeah. how it is, you know? Yeah. And I also feel like with women's running in general, like, like there's more doubt there. Like, um, you know, like we just had a real, like last week, I don't know if you caught that there was a, um, a positive, well, not a positive test, but like a, a doping violation from Wilson Kipsang, who's like one of the best marathoners of all time. And like, but I feel like we talk more about the women like being doping and like, I don't know. I think that like no one ever doubts Kipchoge, but we doubt, you know, other Kenyan women. And it's hard. Like, I just hate that like Kenya has done enough things wrong in recent years that we do have reason to doubt. So, but like, it's not every Kenyan, but we don't know who it is. So I heard that about Wilson Kipsing because of Noah Drotti because I follow him on Twitter and I was just like man really come on come on it just makes you it just makes it really hard to celebrate big accomplishments because you're like well but what if you know and it's I yeah unless it's like Des where you're like yep we know she's clean. There's no way I would yeah, ever doubt that. Yeah, I mean, know? like, we never really do know. I mean, like, only sure. the person who's doing it knows. But, like, right. I do. we do have a better track record in recent years of, like, U.S. women not yeah. testing positive in the distance events. Like, there there have been some, but, though, like, it's been a little while. Um, so, yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay, what's – and Shelby Houlihan, good. That's a good one. Do yeah. you ever discuss dating in, on, in Fast Women? Because she's apparently dating Matt Sintrowitz. Yeah, you know, like I saw, I kind of heard about that well in advance of when I acknowledged it. But the only time I, like, I, I feel like, I don't know, I'm not out to like the, <laughs> the gossip columnist or like the, I don't know, like breaking news about like something that someone didn't want that to get out. Like, clearly she wasn't trying to hide it. But at the same time, I didn't bring it up in the newsletter until she acknowledged yeah. it in an interview. Because I just feel like that's sort of like giving them space and also like... Who I don't did, know. What interview like, did she um, mention it in? I want to listen. Gosh, I don't even. It was like it was a written interview, and I don't oh, even okay. remember who the reporter was. But like, it was it was a pretty random place for it to come up for the first time. Um, yeah. So well, she had also, some think, like Instagram posts that were questionable. Yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah. Like, it, was, it was pretty. It was pretty clear. But like at the same time, like like I don't know that I feel like that relationship's already going to have a lot of pressure on it. So like, sure. <laughs> I don't need to add to it. I need to get him on the podcast. I've never had him on, so I'll yeah. I'll uh, I'll grill him about dating Shelby Houlihan when I have him on. <laughs> <laughs> I like he doesn't. I don't know. I don't get the sense that he like is in as into talking about it as she is. So we'll have to see. I'll make him talk about it. <laughs> you're coming on my podcast. You're talking about dating Shelby Houlihan, one of the yeah. fastest women on the track. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. What's your four? Or um, did you do four? I I did have four, and then let's see, number five. I would say, like, I always love a good breakthrough. And so I, I don't have one of those, but, like, I can think of a few. Like, 
Allie Purrier, Nikki Hiltz, um, a thing, Mo, the high school runner who beat Raven Rogers indoors. Um, like those were all really, like, I love when a new person breaks through, like, and I hope that that happens this year. Like with the, it's always exciting in an Olympic year when you're like, you, you realize that someone's really picking up momentum and, and like on a good path, but those were all really good. Like nice to see them emerge in 20 or 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Nikki Hiltz. That was, she had, she had herself a year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know why I haven't really thought about this before, but just talking about the Olympics and stuff, I started this podcast in April 2016, which was an Olympic year and which made it really exciting. I mean, I was so yeah. new that I really I really couldn't get too many Olympians on the show right away. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of it feels really full circle right now. Like I'm yeah. feeling very nostalgic and also like, whoa, where did that time go? Yeah, that's awesome. It's hard to keep anything up for four years, especially when it's something that like, you know, you're kind of having a hustle on your own and stuff. So that's really awesome. Yeah, it's interesting to see who's still like, you know, who was like really going for things in 2016 and who's kind of like either retired or moved on or just not had a couple good years and who's whose name is, you know, in the forefront now, like Nikki Hiltz in 2016. Like we were talking about Nikki Hiltz. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is like four years is like both no time at all and like so much time, especially in an athlete's career. So for sure. Yeah. yeah. And like and, and it's just like kind of like when you get fourth at the trials, like everyone's like, oh, yeah, like next time you'll be the favorite or whatever. Or like you'll be one of the favorites. But like sometimes you get fourth and then you're gone four years later. Yeah. Yeah. What, you know, Molly Ludlow was one of my very first interviews. She was actually my second episode on the podcast or she might have been my fourth. And um, she was coming off getting fourth place at the trials. Um, must have been in 2012. And then okay. in 2016, you know, the I don't know if anybody listening remembers the 800 in the 2016. Oh, my God. Yeah. Olympic trials. Worst races of all time. Yeah. And I interviewed her right before that when she was like full on training to try to make the team. And um, a lot of things happened and she got fourth again. Yeah. And, that, and that was just such an awful race. Awful. And um, but now she's retired and she has two babies. And um, yeah, just like totally different in a totally different place in her life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like we're also getting to a point in the sport more where like more athletes are talking about like making the Olympic team isn't the be all end all. Like yes. I can still have this good career, like be proud of my accomplishments and it's not defined by whether or not I'm an Olympian. And I think we've like, I think social media has helped with that because you can sort of create like this following, you can create like more attention for yourself and you don't have to be on an Olympic team to get like the opportunities and the, you know, the, the smaller victories. I agree. And I, I think, um, Steph Bruce was one of the first people that really brought that to the forefront in my mind uh, when I talked to her. And she was talking about just like, yeah, I'm going to run a fall marathon. I think it was Steph. I'm going to run a fall marathon. And, um, you know, like at some point you have to realize that it's not the end all be all. And I still have like really big goals beyond making that Olympic team. And it is, I mean, there's three people in each event. Like there's still so many other big things to, to be done. Yeah. And if you look at like the marathon, like there's on one hand, the marathon trials are so exciting, but at the same time, like when that race is over, it's going to be like, nah. wow, there's going to be so many good people not going right. on that team. And so are you going to run a spring marathon? Like we want to watch you do more things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I cannot wait. I really cannot wait. Like I'm already like nervous and also like sad for the people who don't make the team <laughs> at the same time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's just literally so many people who could make that team. I mean, would you say there's 12 people who are like legit uh, people who could be in that those top three spots? Yeah, I mean, I don't like... I haven't gone I think through there, the numbers. But yeah, I think names. there are at least 12 who like I would not be shocked if they made the team. And it kind of depends on like, are there going to be any scratches before then? But totally, yeah, for I, sure. I think for sure, like I would, let's run did sort of uh, who they thought could make the team. And I think it's way more, I mean, you think maybe, it's maybe not, but I think it's deeper than what they would say. Oh, I'm going to link to that in the show notes. If I remember, <laughs> <laughs> I want to look it up though. Is it a good list? 
Um, I like that. I just remember that Steph Bruce saw that she was like had a five percent chance, and she's like, "Okay, I'll take it." <laughs> like, I, lo- I saw her post I about that. I didn't realize yeah. it was about the Let's Run article. Yeah, I man, Steph Bruce, she's the real deal. Yeah, she's awesome. All right, Allison. Well. This has been fun. I will continue to be a subscriber and a Patreon supporter. You all should do the same. Um, It's just, I know how much work. I don't know because I'm not writing that newsletter, but I can imagine that it's a lot of hours that gets put into this newsletter and a lot of people appreciate what you do. So thank you so much. Thank you. And same to you with all the podcasting work because that's uh, like, it's really moved us ahead in terms of like how we learn about athletes and like you've been sort of one of the trailblazers in that in the running world. So thank you. Hey, who are, tell me three people that you'd like to hear on the podcast that I have never had on. Oh gosh. It's okay if you say someone. I'm trying to think like. Who do you want to hear on a podcast that you're like, why haven't they been on an, on any podcasts? Yeah. I think there's like sort of a level of runner. Like it's not one person, but it's sort of like the the person who's in the professional race, but they're not like a big name yet. Okay. That's the, that I'm kind of interested in those people. Like um, Dana Giordano was just on one and she's like a professional runner, but like, I don't know if she had been on many podcasts before and like, I enjoyed hearing from her. Okay. Um, I think it's a little harder. Like there are international runners that I don't want to hear from, but like there's language barriers and, you know, just other factors that make that a little bit harder. But I, yeah, I can't think of like, actual names of people but I think it's more of a category of like you know who is that person filling out the field in the in the 5,000 at USA's or whatever and we don't know anything about them and I'm like I think more and more of those stories are coming out and I I like that yeah for sure um okay let's do end a podcast all right what's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet oh gosh um figure out what the rest of my career is going to be fast women (laughs) we'll see what do you want it to be I don't know I mean I would love to be able to make money doing the kind of work that I do but like right now I need to figure out something else like this alone is not going to be it so yeah yeah what what sounds fun to you um taking I don't know like like, taking pictures I do, but like, I don't think I'm so good at it that like, there are better photographers now for sure. So like before I had the advantage of being like one of the first doing it now, that's, <laughs> that ship has sailed. So, um, yeah, like I, I love doing it, but like, that's never going to be my only thing. What is an accomplishment you're most proud of? Oh gosh. Um, I think it has to be like something child related, like getting my children to eight years old in one piece. <laughs> do you have tips um not really <laughs> but like I guess if I could look back I would say it's all gonna be okay like even when you think it's not gonna be it is probably gonna be okay I like that that's good what is the best most recent book you've read um I'm actually reading one right now uh it's taking me a very long time but that's nothing about the quality of the book it's called Dandelion Growing Wild and it's about Kim Jones, who was a good marathoner in like the early 90s. And like she was one of the first runners I remember watching on TV growing up. And um, she has a biography and I didn't know about it until relatively recently. And I, it's like just a really interesting story. Like it's a good example of how like you watched her running for years and you had no idea about her background. And she has like a lot of uh, like a really rough backstory, but it's a good book. And who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring that you'd like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? I don't know. Right now, I I don't know about fun, motivating, or inspiring, but the people I would like to meet with are <laughs> the um, people in charge of, like, sports media. Anyone, like, you know, editor of New York Times or editor of Sports Illustrated. And this is not fun, motivating, or inspiring. But I would say I would like to, like, really have a conversation about, like, why are why are women only getting four percent of the sports media coverage because I don't know like if you're a failing publication and you're only covering half of the you know like one gender and you've got more than half the population who might be interested in hearing something about their sports like why not try something different four (laughs) percent yeah it's crazy and it's like we have lived with like this always so we don't even question it half the time but it's like 
what is there if you're not a men's sports fan what is there for you in the sports section it's time to start questioning it yeah for sure Oh, what's a nonprofit you like to support? Um, I'm a big fan of the Martin Richard Foundation, oh, the yeah. charity for the eight-year-old boy who was killed in the bombings. I ran for them in the 2014 Boston Marathon. And I just love the work that they've done and like how they've turned a tragedy into something inspiring and impactful. What and what a race to run for that foundation! Wow, like the year after the bombings, what what do they do with their funds? What's their mission? They do a lot of stuff in terms of like um, community peace. They've done a lot for kids with disabilities. They just created a park in Boston. They do like support like um, like leagues for sports for kids with disabilities and just a lot of cool stuff. Um, and they're actually shutting down their Boston Marathon fundraising as of like the end of this year's race, but they're oh, going to they keep are. doing other stuff. Yeah. And I like I I hadn't run a marathon in years when when the bombings happened and I was like, oh, wow, I'd love to run that race again, and then heard about that, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, that would be – like, I I had my best-paced, best-executed marathon ever in that 2014 Boston Marathon, and it was, like, 100% because I was like, I am not doing this for me. I'm, like, doing this for someone else. I bet that was really emotional. Yeah. No, I, I loved – like, that was just such a special day. Like, it, you know, like, I wish it never happened. Like, I wish it never, you know, had to happen. Have, yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, I just like, you know, it was already a great race. And then like, and then you're running, I was running up the Newton Hills when I heard that Meb won. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like that'll get me the rest of the way. So yeah, that, that was like one of my best mace. It was not my fastest race by far, but it was like my best race memory. Did you get to meet his family? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They're, they're great. But like, I also think if I were also, I think cause my kids are that age now, yeah. like they're eight years old this year. And I think like if I experienced that, like I would, I would like, like go within in myself and like hide. I think I, I don't, I can't imagine like wanting to go out and be like, let's make, you know, something good out of this. So I really admire their strength and what they were able to do with it. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing worse in the world you could imagine. Yeah. Pretty much. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Allison, what is your one message to send to the world? I think, um, I would say, Figure out what you're passionate about and find a way to make your life better and other lives better through through that. I love that. It's really good advice. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Lindsay. I really appreciate it. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, Allison, for coming on, sharing your story. And thank you so much for the Fast Women newsletter. We appreciate it. And keep up the great work. I am so proud of you for what you have accomplished. And thankful for the resource you are providing for all of us. You guys can find Fast Women on Instagram, on Twitter, Fast Women, and link to subscribe to the newsletter will be in my show notes at lindsayhine.com. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine, and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. Don't forget extra episodes from me over on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. You can support the show for as little as 3 or $5 a month and get two bonus episodes a month over there. Big thanks to everyone who's already doing so and big thanks to all of you for being here. Have a really great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.